Well, welcome to another edition to Intentional Conversations. On Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors to reach men in today's culture, discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where a men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hi, I'm Mike Salen, your host, and I do thank you for joining us. But those of you who have listened to me at any time, you know that I often talk about the need for men to have other men in their lives and walk alongside them to in spiritual growth. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10, it tells us that two are better than one because they bring a greater reward for their labor. And if one falls down, there's another to lift him up. And the interesting thing about this text that is when it gives a warning there in verse 10, for it says, the Bible says, but pity the man who does not have somebody to lift him up. Well, today we will discuss the importance of that, of discipling and helping men and walking alongside men together. And I have with me Mark Perkins of the Southern New Hampshire Rescue Mission with me. Hey, Mark, I appreciate you joining me today. Thanks for having me on. It's so great. You're up there in the north. How's the weather up there right now? Uh, as I'm looking out the window, there's a couple of small clouds, but it's uh, sunny, a little breezy, somewhere in the mid-40s, but uh, a good day, good spring day for uh, New England. Oh, man, that's, that's good. That's good. I, uh, I'm looking for the spring that's coming through down here in the summertime. I like the warm weather. Y'all can keep that cold weather up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. I hear that. Well, Mark, ask me, you know, both of us work in men's ministry, and we've done that for many years. How long How long have you been in men's ministry, of working with oh, men? Since the mid-90s, early to mid-90s uh, is when I, uh, I, I kind of got into it. Um, the church that I was uh, was a member of, uh, we got started getting involved in Promise Keepers mm. back in the early to mid '90s, and uh, Brian Doyle, uh, who is now uh, with ISI, right. founder and uh, creator of uh, Iron Sharpens Iron conferences, he was the uh, Northeast Regional Director for Promise Keepers, and right. he came to our church and and started doing training, the ambassadors training uh, in the uh, New England area. And so um, I learned a lot from him. And then his, his uh, you know, promise keeper started fading out and he started kind of ramping up with the early days of Iron Sharpens Iron. I would travel with him to various churches, uh, learning from him, but also uh, doing some workshops uh, that he would do with, uh, small groups of uh, men's leaders um, in the uh, Massachusetts, Connecticut, New Hampshire area. Gracious. You know, yeah, you've been doing men's ministry a long time. And men's ministry back in the 90s was just taken off as far as the yeah. importance of it needed to be in, in the churches because not many churches were, were really doing anything for their men uh, prior to that. It was uh, no. um, maybe maybe having a breakfast or something like that from time to time, maybe having a work day from time to time, but nothing that really uh, spoke into a man's life uh, from a spiritual no. standpoint. And there so, was no yeah. real discipleship of men walking together, uh, helping each other grow. You know, that was kind of if men were involved in any sort of discipleship, it was uh, Sunday school. You yeah. Know, and it was mostly the older guys, yeah. uh, the retired guys, um, but the young guys, uh, the young dads. Um, 
husbands, fathers, uh, weren't really involved in much. And that's when, where I was back then. Um, and so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was pretty different. Yeah. Well, you know, you, you mentioned Sunday school being considered as discipleship and then I don't want anybody to, um, misconstrued what I'm saying here, uh, Sunday school or whatever you may call your gathering of people on Sunday morning or home groups or connect groups or life groups, whatever they may be. Uh, that is a part of discipling, but it's mm -hmm. not the discipling that Mark and I are necessarily talking about uh, because most of the time those are co-ed type settings and we want to encourage men to be in settings where they're, um, uh, they're man to man, so to speak, when they're when right they're to each other. So when you talk the other, the other in the old school was was lecture based. Mm -hmm. It was you know, um, I'm I'm a pastor um, or I've been a pastor. I'm uh, currently just kind of pastoring at the rescue mission now, but uh, I was trained in uh, as a, a leader of Sunday school, Sunday school teacher. It was kind of just right. Right. Uh, uh, information dump. Uh, into people's lives without really getting them to connect uh, on a day-to-day -day basis? And how do they really make that application uh, to the scriptures? Um, and so uh, discipleship or the idea of uh, understanding what how Jesus modeled discipleship has grown and changed a lot yeah. over the past yeah. 30 years. Uh, it, is, it is. Well, Mark, let me tell people a little bit more about you. Let me share share some of your bio here that I have in front of me so that people know uh, who I'm speaking with. Here, Mark Perkins, again, I'm talking with from the New Hampshire, uh, Southern New Hampshire, New Hampshire Rescue Mission. He is the program director, full-time program director with them there in Yeshua, uh, New Hampshire. He's responsible for the R12 Life Change Discipleship Program along with the Overnight Shelter Program. And before taking on these current roles, Pastor Mark has served as pastor of discipleship at small groups and director of ministry to the men of the Northeast District of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, director of men's ministry. He's been a solo pastor and a church planter. Mark is close to 30 years experience in working with men. He has been mentored by and studied under some of the leading names in the area of ministry to men. He is a veteran who served for over 20 years in both the Navy and Army National Guard and born and raised in Tacoma, Washington. So this is a this is a West Coast boy that's been transplanted to the East Coast. And he currently lives with his wife, uh, Anne, in Neshua, New Hampshire. And they have two children and four children. And I think it's interesting here if we, as we note that his passion is to see men come into a personal relationship with Jesus as their Lord and Savior and for them to lead others into the discipleship. In other words, you're talking about uh, multiplication there, aren't you, Mark? Uh, amen. Amen. It's not about uh, stagnation, neutrality, even addition. It's about multiplication, replication of your life into others who will then replicate their lives into others with the, the key um, person that we're replicating, and that's Jesus. Yeah. I, you know, that's that's something else. When we talk about discipleship, I think the church has lost the vision for it. And I, and I know we've talked about it, at least in our circles, uh, circles yeah. you and I run in. We've talked about it quite a bit, but you really don't hear um, the churches um, you know, that we we uh, we counsel with or we uh, they, they call us and 
we talk to them and consult with them, you don't hear too many of them talking about multiplication. They may mention it from time to time, but they don't really teach it, do they? No, no. There's, uh, I think, according to uh, the data from Exponential, who tracks uh, disciple-making movements and, and all of that, and churches that are at various stages, they have five levels that they talk about, mm -hmm. and less than 1% of churches in the United States are multiplying churches. 80% are either, 80 to 85% are either in decline or plateauing, and then uh, the rest are in addition. Uh, they may be adding, um, or they're uh, adding to their own building, and they, or they may be planting uh, satellite churches, um, but they're not really multiplying. They're not planting churches that are independent, that are then planting other churches, not like what we're seeing in, in like Africa and in South America and uh, some of the Asian, uh, some Asian countries where uh, you see it, especially, like I said, especially Africa, you see tremendous churches that are planting churches that are planting churches, you know, a hundred deep, you know, there, there are churches over there that have planted a hundred churches, and each of those churches is planted a hundred. Now, it's a little different in our context because they're they're in little villages around, right, right. You know where, uh, but we could be seeing you know throughout cities, um, instead of kind of being our own, let's let's actually plant independent instead of traveling thirty miles or 20, 20 minutes from uh, from a place to get to church, maybe develop one in your own little neighborhood, you know, plant a church within your, and church has become kind of a nebulous term. And uh, whether you're going from a the big building or you're going to a house church, you know, things yeah. have changed in that concept too. It is, you know, it was interesting. I was speaking at a church yesterday and uh, the pastor was kind of showing me around a little bit of some of the things of the campus and uh, showing me some of the stuff they're doing. And, and and in one of the one of the hallways behind the worship center, there's a map on the wall. And he was telling me on this map about all it's got pen little pens, um, with the line drawn from where their church is located to these pens, and he's talking about where all their people have gone to to minister. And he was sharing that some of these pens represent where they have planted churches. And it was amazing that you know a lot of times when you see churches in the United States, when they talk about planting churches, they're talking about uh, on the other side of the city where they're at or other yep. kind, of, kind of county or parish, whatever your area may be at. But he was telling me, you're a West Coast boy that came to the East Coast, but he was showing me where he had somebody leave his church and go to Vermont to plant a church from Vermont. And he had another yep. family go to Oregon to plant a church in Oregon. And they've yep. even had some to go across the ocean into the Eastern Bloc area of Europe and planted churches in there. And I was just amazed that they were looking yeah. way beyond their small little community uh, to, to reach people. It just, That's it just, what discipleship's all about. You know, the Acts 1-8 is that you will be my witnesses. And the, uh, the idea of a witness is someone who gives testimony uh, in Jerusalem, which was their local community, their Judea, which is their maybe their county, Mm -hmm. uh, Samaria, which is um, not just a region, but 
I think Samaria is really representative of people who are not like you are. Yeah. You know, another culture right? Uh, versus just a region. Um, and then to the other most parts of the earth. So you got your state, you got your country, you got the other countries around. I think Jesus was looking at saying, hey, we all need to be moving around and moving out uh, throughout that entire area. Yeah, yeah, that's true. You know, there's another aspect of multiplication that we talk about. We're talking about multiplying churches, but we're also talking about multiplying individuals into Christ. Yeah. For you as an individual um, begins to speak into another man's life. And I know that you and I do that regularly where we sit down and talk with men and we help them to grow in Christ. And that's so important. That's where that verse comes Amen. back to that we yeah. talked about at the beginning in my introduction. Well, Mark, you know, there's a couple of verses, a couple of questions I like to ask all my guests. Yep. Uh, when I have them on and I want to pose those questions to you right now and, and just let you share you. And uh, the first question I want to ask you is what is your favorite verse? Or what did you, uh, what do you maybe hang your hat on as far, as far as like a life verse or maybe a verse for your ministry or whatever that case may be. And why is that verse so meaningful to you? Well, um, for a long time, it was, you know, the great commission, Matthew 28. And then on top of that, um second timothy 2 2 these things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses or teach faithful men who will teach others also it's the right. idea that that you are uh and that was paul talking to timothy who was talking to uh faithful men or in and it wasn't just he wasn't just talking to him he was imparting to them the gospel message which they then could take to others. It's four generations. And so when I talk about discipleship, I said, I'm not successful in, in, in a discipling relationship until we see four generations mm. happen down the road, uh, the completion of, of that. Um, and that's rare. It's, it's tough to get that, to, um, you know, but that's the goal for me. That's the goal. And then most recently, it uh, has been the verse that you start out with, that Ecclesiastes 4, 9 to 12, that oh, idea yeah. of, of walking together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as a matter of fact, I'm working on a on a book where it's going to be, the front end's going to be kind of the biblical example of, of men walking together with other men, um, in the biblical stories. But then... Most of the book will be stories of men who have done that, uh, whether it's walking together with another man, uh, walking together with their wife, uh, their kids, uh, missionaries that have walked together. I have a good friend who was a missionary for five years in Uganda, and they asked him to, to talk about how he walked together with his wife in that ministry in Uganda, um, you know, People, uh, men that have walked through crisis, uh, through a health crisis, um, things like that. And then so it's it's helping someone that will read the book is going to say there are other people out there that have walked together and they've had people around that have done that. Uh, so it's kind of an example that, yeah, they can do it. Maybe I can do the same thing. 
Yeah. Practical yeah, I, application. Yeah, you know, uh, uh, you're talking about going to uh, four generations and so forth is what we're supposed to do. I, you know, we're just supposed to disciple someone. And then at some point, that individual disciple is supposed to bring somebody under their wing, disciple them, and keeps yeah. on going down. Uh, I had somebody on, on the program um, several months ago who was a pastor uh, in Tennessee, and he was talking about the fact that they were able to tra track in their church because of what they're doing and what they're encouraging their, their people to do as far as discipling to a fifth generation. Wow. Uh, and, and, and that is rare. You do not hear that happening in churches. You, you no, really do no, not. No. And uh, uh, it's very rare that you even hear about a second generation, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and that is, you know, that's troubling when you think about it from our standpoint of ministry of helping people to understand the importance of discipling uh, yeah. one, one person to another. But so, like you and I, you know, we've discipled so, uh, so many men over the years and been involved with them over the years. And then uh, I don't think we'll know the impact that we've had until we get to heaven and we can look, uh, we'll see that we'll be shown that, that, Hey, you did this to this guy who you've lost track of years ago, who then went on and did this, this, and this, you know, and, and I think that that's really, yeah. That, that is so true. I was with Lee Stobel, and, I, and, I, and I'm sure you know who Lee Stobel was with the case of the case of Christ. Yeah, I was, with, yep. I was with him last weekend, and he was telling of a story uh, <clears throat> of when he was still in the publishing biz, publishing world after he became a Christian. After he had done his research and he became a Christian, he was encouraged by the Holy Spirit to go in and talk to his boss about becoming a Christian and yeah. uh, sharing the gospel with him and his. His boss was like he was before uh, Lee became a Christian. That he was a he was a hard nosed, uh, strong atheist. So Lee said he walked in and started telling telling uh, his boss uh, the plan of salvation and why it's important and why Christ was real and so forth. And his boss was just blowing him off. Didn't want to hear it. La did I. And make a long story short, he said he walked out there deflated. He said, "I know the Holy Spirit was telling me to go do that, but nothing happened." He said, well, some time passed, and he ran across a man in, in his travels. He said, he said, you know, it's because of your message, your, your, your speaking to so-and-so is the reason why I come to Christ. And he was like, what do you mean? He said, well, I heard every word you said to him because I was around the corner doing something <laughs> that you couldn't see, but I heard what you were saying, and it's because yeah. of what you did is the reason why I came to Christ. So you, we yeah. don't know. We don't no, know the impact no. that we're going to have. Yeah. And, uh, so you know, anyway, we may be having a conversation at uh, at the local coffee shop. We're talking to one guy and there's someone else next to us. that's in a booth or at a table next to us that, that might hear the same thing and go get them thinking. And yeah. we never know the impact that we we've had over um, over the years. Amen. Amen. Well, Mark, tell us how you came to Christ. When did you come to Christ, and uh, what's that story all about? I, I know that sometimes we can make a whole message out of that. <laughs> but we didn't get After down, 40 we didn't down to about a minute or two, so to speak. Okay. I'll, I'll give you the Reader's Digest condensed version. Um, it's been 48 years. Um, I I grew up uh, in a basically a non-believing home. Uh, Dad was a college biology teacher. Mom's a nurse. Um, 
I grew up very intellectually and scientifically oriented. Mm. At 12, I was reading my dad's college level textbooks on, on evolution and paleontology and, and uh, world formation. And I thought I knew it all. Uh, and friends would ask me to go to uh, Sunday school with them or go to church with them. And I said, yeah, I'm going to go because I wanted to debate uh, Genesis 1. And I would engage the Sunday school teacher in uh, a debate of Genesis 1. And I'd clean their clocks because they had no clue as to how to really articulate yeah. uh, an apologetic of, of, of the early Genesis passages. Yeah. And... Uh, when I was in high school, some friends asked me to join a Bible study uh, before school. We all met uh, on a street corner where we caught the bus, but they on Wednesday mornings, they would uh, do this Bible study at church, which is kind of just a block away. And um, so we'd go there. And again, I thought, hey, it was a great opportunity for me to, to debate and to uh, disprove the existence of God, because that's what it, my focus was, was disproving God. Um, And uh, one evening in February, 1974, uh, a couple of the people came over to the house and uh, they laid out the gospel message and God just broke me like a twig. Mm. You know, he took a big two by four upside the backside of my head and, uh, and broke me. And I wept like a baby. Uh, and I came to came to Christ, um, came to that personal relationship with Him, uh, and uh, have been growing ever since. Oh wow! And how long ago was that that you came? Forty forty eight years, February nineteen seventy four. Gracious, well, that's that's a long time, no doubt about it. Because I came to Christ in nineteen seventy two, and uh, stories a little different, but still, it, it, it's so meaningful. And yeah. um, so, and, and and what are you doing now? Now, I said at the beginning that you are the you're the director. Um, um, what's the title? You're the program director. Program director. That's it. Program yeah, yeah. director for the Southern uh, New Hampshire Rescue Mission. Uh, how long have you been doing that? Um, I've been in rescue mission work uh, professionally. In other words, I was on staff for about three years um i was at a a mission in niagara falls new york for two and a half years and then um in february of this year um i was hired on to be the program director at the uh southern new hampshire rescue mission in nashua new hampshire um we are a a men's only shelter, um, though we are in the process of uh, uh, renovating another space where we'll be opening a women's shelter, a single women's shelter uh, in the fall. But our focus right now is men. So we we have, like you said, we have two programs. One is a in, in an overnight. Sorry, an, an overnight uh, program where guys can uh, come in and spend up to 60 days okay. uh, getting off the street and that. And then we have our R12 
Life Change Discipleship Program, which is nine months to a year of intense kind of uh, building their, uh, working on their lives, body, soul, and spirit. Okay. Well, right now, uh, folks, we're talking to Mark Perkins, of the uh, program director for the Southern New Hampshire Rescue Mission, and we're going to take a break right now. Uh, and I hope you listen to what we have to put for you in, in this break. And we'll be back in just a minute to talk more with Mark dealing with the Southern New Hampshire Rescue Mission. Stay tuned. Hey, man, this is Mike Sam with Cape Fear Man. One of the things I want to share with you today is the battle for men's souls. When you look at scripture, especially when you look at Ephesians chapter 6, you see that we are told to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And verse 11 tells us we're to put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. You know, as men in a battle, if you were in the military, you would be training almost every day. You'd be in some kind of a study session. You'd be training on how to use your weapons. You'd be training on how to, uh, to maneuver. You'd be listening to people who's been there and teaching you and ex uh, sharing their experiences to you. They would be preparing you every day. So when you are truly put into a situation where you have got to put your training in action, it becomes second nature to you. You know, when we think about uh, the army of God, we should be the same way. We should be training every day so that when God puts us in a position for us to serve, we are ready and it becomes second nature. So you need to be in the Word of God every day. You need to be praying every day. You need to have men in your life who speak in truth in your life, discipling and mentoring you in preparation for that day when God puts you in the battle for men's souls. So men, Army of God, I encourage you. Get into the Word. Spend time in prayer. And if you need help with that, reach out to us at kfearmen.net. And we can help you do that. Help you to train your men in your local churches to be ready for the battle for men's souls. Well, welcome back to Intentional Conversations with Mike Salmon. We've got Mark Perkins with us with the Southern uh, New Hampshire Rescue Mission. And he's been sharing. We've been talking a little bit about discipling men and ministering to men and, and walking alongside of men. And, and we're going to kind of move into talking about uh, the rescue mission a little bit, about what they're doing in the rescue mission and how they're ministering to men and see what it is. So, Mark, uh, I know before we went to break, you started sharing a little bit about the uh, rescue mission and what you do. Uh, how about mm -hmm. continuing continuing that uh, description discussion? What is the what is the New Hampshire New Hampshire uh, the Southern New Hampshire Rescue Mission all about, <laughs> and 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 how did how did it come about, and how did you get involved in it? Um, in uh, I believe I'm still learning all the history of it because I've only been there since uh, February. Uh, I'm new to the new to this mission. 2004, there was a need for a gospel presentation within the rescue mission uh, world mm -hmm. in Nashua. It was formed. Right now, the former director, uh, a program director, left last summer. And so our executive director, Lloyd Curtis, uh, started the search for a new program director. He went through a organization called CityGate, which is a used to be called the Association of Gospel Rescue Missions. I saw the the ad there for a program director. 
and put in my application. And uh, that was last uh, November timeframe. And so uh, getting it all together, I uh, started February 1st, basically, um, as the program director out there. So we moved out. We've sold our house in Niagara Falls, New York, and moved out to uh, Nashua, New Hampshire. The mission is, is designed to provide a safe place for men who are hurting, uh, who are on the streets uh, with various issues. Uh, some come to us with uh, uh, drug or alcohol addiction. Some come to us with mental health issues. Mm -hmm. Some come to us with physical issues. Um, we get calls from the hospital saying that we've got someone that's uh, being discharged. Uh, they, they had some physical issues. They don't um, have any place to, to go. This economy is pretty tough if you don't have any sort of income. Or uh, we have a number of older gentlemen that all they have maybe is Social Security. And that uh, if they didn't work a lot, they don't have a lot to uh to go into social security or they're, they're on an SSI or SSD, which is um, pre social security retirement. Right. And uh, you know, they're only making about a thousand a month. And in, in Nashua, a, uh, an apartment costs you more than a thousand dollars a month. Wow. Wow. Um, and so you know, we can help them. And then we have the guys that, um, you know, we have some guys that are working. Um, they've got a job, but they're making minimum wage. So they're just barely making enough that they could um, afford an apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, plus, there's a lot. Uh, there's not a lot of apartments in the uh, Nashua area. Um, so the availability of affordable housing is real low. Um, what, um, what do you do for these, these men when they come in? How, how, how do you, how do you minister to them? Uh, a lot of it's, you know, it's, it's, um, not just word, but it's deed. It's, it's providing them a safe place. It's providing them with meals, right. place to shower, um, you know, get cleaned up at night, um, have a, like I said, a safe place that's not on the street, a warm place. Mm -hmm. um, we feed the community lunch um, Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then on the weekends, we do uh, dinner Saturday and Sunday for the community. And that includes the guys that are in the overnight program. So they can at least get a meal. They can also get breakfast. They get breakfast. Uh, before they head out for the day. Then we also have some basic case management and the fact that we we help direct them to the services that are that are um, in the area. Uh, sometimes uh, because of language barriers, I'm working with a with a, a guy from Burma, an older gentleman, does not speak English. And so we're trying to help him navigate, uh, some health issues, you know, the hospitals, the doctor's appointments, getting back on the services, the welfare services, so that he can then move on. So we do some of that. We're not case managers. Um, that's not my role. But uh, 
I wind but up. But you, you connect them with people that can help them with that. Yeah, yeah. We try and connect them with the with housing services, with job opportunities, and things like that. Um, yeah. So that's kind of that's one side of the the mission. The other side is our R twelve uh, Life Change Discipleship Program, which yeah, is talk about a, yeah talk about that a little bit. What is, what is I, I don't think I've ever heard of the R twelve Discipleship. Is that something y'all developed, or is that something? Yeah, that that, well, the the title is uh, based on Romans twelve, right? So it's the idea that we're going to help uh, these men come to a better understanding of uh, who they are in Christ. Hmm. Um, some come with with little knowledge of the Gospels. Uh, some come with, with, with a lot of knowledge of, of the Scriptures. And so we just, uh, we want them to get stable in body, soul, and spirit. I was doing this also in Niagara Falls, and a gentleman that we helped there, he didn't have addiction issues. He didn't have... Um, of mental health issues. Uh, he had some physical issues, which caused some work issues, but he was in a bad relationship. Uh, he was living with a woman that was alcoholic. You know, he had to leave that. He, he left that situation, wound up being on this, on the street, basically just, and wound up at our mission, just started in the overnight shelter and then uh, was introduced to the discipleship program. And, and he joined us and he went through that program, the one in Niagara Falls, and it's a similar program that we that we're doing in uh, in Nashua. So, but the idea it's residential, so they're uh, they go to classes during the day. They help work around the mission, do chores and and uh, things around the mission. But a lot of it's just you know building building relationships, um, and then. We, we work with them in the areas of uh, spiritual foundations, doctrinal issues, spiritual formation, and spiritual disciplines. Mm. And then we have uh, volunteers that come in and do Bible studies uh, from local churches, build into them. Right. We also get them connected with, uh, with a local church, uh, try to uh, get them connected with a mentor uh, from that church. And then towards the end of their stay, in the fourth phase of the of the stay, uh, we start uh, transitioning them, helping them find a job, find uh, housing, and uh, then work to uh, transition them out. Some of them actually stay and come on staff. They either go through our intern program, and uh, or uh, eventually uh, come on staff uh, yeah. at the mission. Yeah, well, that's what, that's something I was wondering of these guys that you've you've helped out over the months and years, actually, and uh, success stories you've heard about how they've turned their lives around, and uh, and and now maybe, like you said, apparently if they're coming on staff, they're ministering to other men who were like them. Yeah, and uh, our so food service director actually went through uh, the program, uh -huh. uh, and then. Uh, became an intern and then came on staff as uh, uh, the food service director. So he, he uh, makes sure all the meals are prepped and um, coordinates any volunteers that come in to do meals and, and such like that. So. Yeah, that's, that, that's super. Uh, that, that's great to hear. And it's great work that y'all are doing and uh, sharing the gospel in, in a, a different, unique way. Cause it's one of the things that we see from, 
from uh, the modeling Christ is that he always ministered to the people where they were at and in, in, in their yep. needs as yeah. he as he was sharing. And uh, and one of the things that has really been impressed upon me recently is that every time you see the scripture say something about Christ had compassion on somebody, yeah, he always followed it up with an action. He always followed yeah. it up with an action. Yeah. And, and that's rather, what we're about yeah. is uh, showing compassion. Uh, sometimes it, it requires a lot of grace, you know, mm -hmm. to some of these guys come in with a lot of issues, whether it's their addiction issues or uh, mental health issues or both. We, we call those dual diagnoses. So have a the, big chip, you know, have a big chip on their shoulder because somebody oh, had done them wrong or. <laughs> oh, that, yeah, that's one thing. Or, uh, you know, um, they may be anxiety, depression, schizophrenia, yeah. um, and they're, they're dealing with, with life and they've got, they've been kicked out of their houses. Uh, you know, they've been shunned by their families, you know, burned every bridge, uh, that was behind them, um, yeah. with their, uh, drug addiction and alcoholism. And they've been in, in jails, they've been in institutions, and and these things then bring them to a, a place where they find themselves on the street. And we're kind of that rescue where we can uh, provide uh, a safe place that then the gospel can be uh, built into their lives. You know, I have conversations with these guys all the time and, you know, um, how is God working in your life and what do you see God doing and, and things like that? Yeah. Amen. You know, with you and I, before we, um, before we actually got on the air, so to speak with this, with this program, we, we were talking about the different types of men that we run across, um, you know, uh, every, and every church has them. Uh, we're talking yes. about, you're talking about ministering guys that are coming to your rescue mission. Many of them, many of them probably have never been associated with the church, but, but when you look at, uh, when you look at the men in your church, oh, uh, yeah. you have guys that are going through the same thing and, uh, yeah. uh, they, they are dealing and struggling with issues. They're dealing with, uh, addictions. They're dealing with, uh, family problems and, and, uh, dysfunction. They're dealing with, uh, financial issues. They're dealing with work issues. Uh, that is, mm -hmm. uh, you know, tearing them down and they need people. Oh yeah. Like we were talking about in the first half of the program to come alongside them. And that's what y'all are doing. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're trying to walk with them through whatever crisis that they're, they're finding in life. And, and, um, you know, we, we think about the guys that are in re, uh, the rescue mission. Oh, uh, how bad it is. But, you know, my experience in the church is there's more, addiction issues and alcoholism and uh, hurting men in the church than there are on the streets. At least the street people know and they they recognize their issues and own up to their issues, you know. They're honest they're probably, about it. <laughs> they're honest about it, yeah. yeah. The, the guys in the church, we have guys in the church that are alcoholics and they're or they're addicted to pornography, or they're addicted to to drugs, um, or they're finan have financial issues. And we as guys, we don't want to talk about those things. We don't That's want right. to admit our failures That's right. That's because right. it, it makes us look weak. Um, we don't want to um, open up 
uh, that were struggling because that's weakness, you know. Um, yeah, yep. And we think that we can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, you know. If I, a man's man is going to uh, be able to handle all of these issues on his own uh, yep. without the help of that, yep. and that's not what Ecclesiastes says. Is you need that band of brothers. You need someone there to pick you up, uh, to help keep you warm, to fight the battles, you know, in 21 years in the military, you know, uh, we, uh, you don't operate solo. You operate as at least a small squad or, or uh, team. You never, you never go into harm's way by yourself. No, 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 no. Uh, Because you will always wind up getting your butt kicked. (laughs) That is so true. And, and the thing about it is, is but, uh, you know, I had a, I had a mentor, uh, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but, but he used to always talk about the battle for men's souls. You know, we, uh, yeah. we, we, we know the military standpoint about the, they train, they train, they train, they go over, they review, they train again. So when, when trouble does come their way or when they are put into harm's way, their training becomes second nature to them and they yeah. just re- and they just react. And that's the reason why we got to have guys in our lives to do the same thing, to help us, to prepare us, to train us, to talk to us. And so when things do come our way, when we are tempted to do something that goes against scriptural, uh, the, yeah. the, all the training and all the teaching and all the applications we've put in our life through the study of the scriptures yeah. will become second yeah. nature to us and we'll just react and we'll yeah. just react. So, uh, I have a I have a a, a good friend, um, a guy that I've been walking with for over ten years. Uh, when I first came to Niagara Falls, New York, um, he and I started meeting for breakfast every Friday morning. And uh, he has a daughter, Sarah. I have a daughter, Sarah, and they have issues, and we've walked together through those issues um we've cried together we've laughed together we've challenged each other he walked with me when i lost my son-in-law at the age of 23 to cancer Mm. left uh, my daughter with a two-year-old little girl uh, one of the loves of my life i have four grandkids and uh, my daughter has one my son has three and um but yeah, we we spent a lot of time uh, walking that road. It was six months of agony mm-hmm. um, and pain um, for him. And um, I had guys that walked with me through that, that that um, just were there consoling me and and crying with me as we were we were walking through that thing. And and the same, I try and do that for others, you know. And we had each other's backs. And it, that's so important. And, you know, they talk about this idea of, do you have a friend that at 2 a.m., if you wound up in jail, he would come and bail you out. He'd pick yep. up the phone yep. and be there to bail you out of the worst situation. And most guys can't say that they do. They don't have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, uh, they don't. They don't have those individuals in their lives, and and uh, and we need those individuals in our lives. We uh, guys, I, and those of you that are out there married, I'm, I'm going to say something that uh, I hope I don't offend any of you, because I'm married too. Been married for 46 years, and 
I love my wife and I love everything she has done and what God has used her in my life to do. But I'm going to tell you something. There are things I need to talk to another man about that she will never understand. Correct. And, uh, and it's the same thing with her. There's things that she needs to talk about too that I will listen, but I won't necessarily understand. Yeah. And that's the reason why she needs to have a, a woman in her life that she can do yeah. that with also. And that's why men need men. Uh, yeah, because we understand uh, how a man thinks and, and how yeah. you get to where you're at. And so, anyway, well, Mark, we're coming up on our time, and I wish we could have more conversation on, on this mm -hmm. and, and and dealing dealing with these issue of discipling men, ministering to men, and rescuing men uh, yeah. from their from their trials and their tribulations that's going on. But I want to give you a minute or two just to share whatever is on your heart uh, mm -hmm. about. Uh, about ministering to men, whatever that yeah. may be. I think uh, as we've been talking about that, find another man that you can walk alongside with or a group of men, two or three other men that you can walk alongside with. You hold each other up. I think of um, Aaron and her who held up Moses's arms. Um mm. You know, your pastor, I think we haven't talked about pastors in this in this uh, whole thing. Your pastors are hurting. I can tell you from oh, personal yes. experience of, of 20 years as a pastor, almost 20 years as a pastor, um, two of which, or one of which was a solo pastor. You need that. You need someone to walk alongside of you, to hold you up, because... You can't talk about it. I had to go outside the church. I had to to um, uh, to find other guys outside of our church because I I couldn't talk to the guys in the church. And and I you know sleepless nights. And there are times that you know um, just about a number of the uh, elders meeting. I come back after that, and I would just I was ready to have my resignation letter, pull it out of the drawer, and drop it on the desk on uh, on. Uh, the day after an elders meeting and, and, um, but, but come alongside your pastor. He needs that. He need, you know, he needs his Aaron and hers to hold him up. And then, then we need, uh, that we need, uh, a Jonathan to our David. We need our, a Timothy to our Paul. And one of the things I do is I ask guys when I meet with, meet them. And I said, who is your Timothy and who is your Paul? And you know, about 90% of the guys cannot answer that question. And that's mm. including pastors. Pastors oh, yeah. don't have someone that they're either discipling or being discipled and or guys that are close by, even the Barnabases that are walking alongside you, encouraging you through the struggles. And so my heart is that guys out there, guys that are in the church would find other men that they can walk through life together with uh, encouraging, challenging through the, through life. That is so true. We, we all need, we need, I've always said we need three men in our lives, a Paul, Barnabas, and a, and a Timothy. Yep. A Paul who's speaking into our lives, a Barnabas who's walking alongside us, and then a Timothy whom we're speaking into. We right. need those guys. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate that encouragement. And yes, there is a strong encouragement. We didn't talk much about the pastors, but pastors are are hurting people a lot of times, just like uh, just like the congregants of a congregation is, and and they need uh, they need that uh, 
that special yeah. prayer and special uh, people just uh, from time to time, just giving them words of encouragement. They, they, Amen. They, Amen. they need those things. Well, Mark, it was good to have you on. I appreciate it. How can Thanks, people Mike. get up? How can people get up with you if they want to get up with you about um, anything that we have talked about or possibly even having you come speak at their, uh, at their men's thing? Men's yeah. Um, I, I do speak on uh, discipleship. I've done workshops for iron sharpens iron and, and I speak on discipleship and walking together. Um, my uh, email address is rev, R-E-V dot mark dot perkins at gmail.com. The Southern New Hampshire Rescue Mission, it's hopefornashua.org. Hope and the number four, Nashua, N-A-S-H-U-A dot O-R-G. Uh, you can get on there and, and read about our programs and, and what we've got going on. Um, but the other is, is, you know, just think about what we've talked about, walking alongside with another man or a group of men. Actually, I would encourage you, not just one, but but get two or three guys that can all walk together. Uh, you know, at the end of that passage, it says a, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. You know, mooring lines. If you look at a mooring line that holds an aircraft carrier to the dock, it's not a small thing. It's it's a humongous, but it's stranded upon strands. It's uh, mm -hmm. a group of strands that are stranded then too. Um, and a, a, the best strand to include is Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, three cords, three cords, uh, three strands of a cord is not easily broken, as Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes four says, and yep. so true. Mark, thank you for being on. And if you want to know Thanks. more about the New Hampshire. Uh, the Southern New Hampshire Rescue Mission. You can reach out to Mark at rev, R-E-V, rev.mark.perkins at gmail.com or you can go on their website at hope for the number four, hope for Nashua, that's spelled N-A-S-H-U-A dot com. Is that right? Dot, no, it's dot, dot org. I'm sorry, dot org. Okay, let me, let me yeah. say that again make sure everybody understands it. Hope for Nashua dot org. And, uh, and you can get more information. Mark, once again, it's been good to have you on. And, Thank you, Mike. Uh, yeah, and we'll have you on again sometime in the future. I hope to, to talk some more. And I know you and I will be talking more as the weeks and months progress because we have a, a common heart and a common common goal Amen. of reaching men. Anytime. Amen. Amen. Anytime. Well, thank you for joining us on the Intentional Conversation, listening to us. And I hope you will join us again on our next uh, Intentional Conversation with Mike Salmon. And uh, God bless you, and we will see you the next time. Thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men, a men's ministry coalition. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization operating under Ministry Alliance. To learn more about Cape Fear Men and how Cape Fear Men can help you reach the men of your church, or if you want to know more about what we discuss with these programs, go to capefearmen.net. If you'd like to speak to me directly, email me at mike.sandlin at kfearmen.net. But for now, I will leave you with this blessing. I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you. This is Mike Sandlin saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next Intentional Conversation with Mike Sandlin.